Well, as John said, I'm all the way here with you today from Washington, D.C., so it's, uh, it's really good to be here with you, and um, it was nice to be able to share a little bit about our ministry earlier, but uh, now we're, we're going to turn our attention to uh, the Word of the Lord, and our text today comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, so if you have a Bible, you can be turning there now. And this text is really very formative for understanding uh, really what it means to be a Christian, uh, but also what it means to be the church, because here we see Jesus uh, appearing to the disciples for the first time after his resurrection. And we see him equipping them and commissioning them, uh, instructing them on what their life is to be all about uh, after his resurrection. And, and these words that Jesus speaks to his disciples are really, uh, they very much apply to us today as Christians, as the church. Uh, and they help inform us on what our identity and calling is all about too. And so let's try to let these words really sink in as we read them now. This is God's word. John writes, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, this is God's word for us today. Would you pray with me? Lord, we pray uh, now that you would teach us through... Uh, the reading and the preaching of your word, that we might grow in knowledge and in love for you. Lord, help us to see uh, Jesus today. Help us to receive the peace that he offers us. Equip us as you send us out. Speak to our hearts. Help us to become more and more like the people you have called us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to begin this morning by asking you uh, to consider this question. Do you have peace? Do you have peace? Uh, in other words, is peace a normal and common experience in your life? Uh, or to put it another way, would you describe yourself as someone who is content uh, someone who doesn't uh, get too anxious or worried about things. Someone who is, on the whole, uh, largely satisfied with life. Uh, my guess is, is that if we're honest, uh, most of us here likely struggle to find peace. Um, at least in some areas of our life. And I think the reason for that is because our natural tendencies uh, tend to be towards worrying about ourselves. 
Uh, we worry about our careers. We worry about money. Uh, we worry about our families. We worry about uh, our children and our grandchildren. Uh, we worry about society. We worry about what's going on in Washington, where, I, where I've come from. Uh, we worry, too, about our, our legacies, you know, whether our life has meaning and purpose. If we are honest, uh, our, our life is oftentimes filled with anxious self-concern. And yet, the Bible teaches us that the Christian life is characterized by peace. That peace is at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. And we see this running all throughout the Gospel of John because uh, the Gospel of John as a whole is very concerned with helping us understand the big picture of why uh, the meaning behind Jesus' incarnation and his life and his death and his resurrection and his exaltation and his ascension. And one of the underlying themes in the Gospel of John is that Christ's arrival is the dawn of a new era. Uh, it's the dawn of a new age. We now have peace because of what Jesus has done on the cross and because Jesus has risen and now reigns in heaven. Uh, that's what John wants us to see throughout his letter. And our passage today shows us that this, this new reality has vast implications for our identity and also for our calling because Jesus connects peace here with mission. Jesus connects peace directly to the calling and the purpose that he sends his disciples out with. In other words, he connects peace with purpose. And so this is what I want uh, us to see today is that peace is a central overarching mark of the Christian life that has vast implications for our identity and for how we live and witness in the world. Uh, so let me just show you what I mean by we're going to look at three points today. We're going to look at the peace that Jesus gives us, the peace that Jesus sends us out with, and the peace that Jesus guarantees us. The peace that Jesus gives us, the peace that Jesus sends us out with, and the peace that Jesus guarantees. So first, the peace that Jesus gives us. Uh, in verse 19, we read these words. It says, On the evening of that day, uh, meaning it's still Easter day, the day that Jesus rose, the first day of the week, so Sunday, uh, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Uh, now let me just pause for a minute because I just want you to imagine the scene here. Uh, the disciples are locked up in a house. Uh, we, re re we read earlier in the chapter that Mary Magdalene has come and told them that the tomb is empty. Uh, Peter and John run to the tomb and they find that it's empty. They confirm this. And now they've locked themselves up in this house uh, because they're afraid that the people who killed Jesus and presumably stolen his, have stolen his body, uh, that they're out to get them next. And so this is the context in which Jesus appears to the disciples. Uh, the doors are locked. They're afraid. And then Jesus comes in. 
And the first words that Jesus speaks to them, the very first thing out of his mouth is, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now just think of all the fears that the disciples have had. Um, all the stress, all the anxieties that they faced over the last week. Uh, Jesus has been crucified. They're, they're on the run for their lives. And you can just imagine the, the relief that they felt when they see Jesus. And it says as much in, in verse 20, it says, The disciples, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now, I, I don't want us to miss uh, the significance of this because it's easier for us to read these words from Jesus as just a simple greeting. You know, peace be with you. Kind of like saying hello. Um, but this is really more than a greeting. This is a, uh, a pronouncement. This is a declaration from Jesus that he has achieved peace. And he has given peace to those who follow him. If you are a follower of Christ, you have been given peace. This is Jesus' way of saying, there is no longer any reason to be afraid. And so the first thing that Jesus does for his disciples is he calms their fears. He tends to their worries. He tends to their anxieties. He assures them that everything is going to be okay. And really there's two dimensions to the peace that Jesus gives. On one hand, uh, there's a, uh, Jesus gives peace for the present moment. Uh, there's immediate relief uh, for the disciples once they see Jesus. But on the other hand, Jesus also gives peace for the future as well because now the disciples know uh, that Jesus has risen, that he really is the Messiah. Uh, they, they know now that all authority has been given to him on heaven and on earth. Uh, they know that he is in control of and is sovereign over all of human history. And if you are a Christian, this same peace uh, is available to you now. Jesus gives us peace for the present, and he gives us peace for the future. Uh, so let's just look quickly at three ways that Jesus gives us peace for all of life. Uh, first, Jesus gives us the peace of salvation. Paul says in Romans 5.1, he says explicitly, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This means that Jesus has taken away the punishment for our sins. In other words, we, we no longer need to fear the wrath of God. And instead of, of that fear, in place of that fear, we now have a renewed relationship with God. Uh, one that is characterized by peace and love and security. And so that's the first thing that Jesus gives us. He gives us the peace of salvation. Uh, second, Jesus gives us the peace of his presence. Uh, you know, one of the things I love about this passage is the fact that Jesus uh, hunts the disciples down. You know, they're, they're hiding away. They're locked up in this house. And Jesus searches them out. He comes to find them. Uh, and you can imagine how they felt. You know, they're, they're hiding in this house. They maybe hear the doors rattle and the locks coming off. And then there's Jesus. And he, it says that he stands in the middle of them. 
And uh, it really reminds me a lot of the parable of the lost sheep, uh, where Jesus says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the Savior who goes looking for his sheep. He is a Savior who steps into our fears and calms them. And so I ask you this morning, uh, what, what areas of your life do you experience fear? Uh, where are the areas of your life where you just can't seem to find peace? Where are the areas of your life where you experience shame and regret? What are the things that, that keep you up at night? Uh, because Jesus wants to step in to those places. And if we let him, he will come into each of those places and give us peace. You know, there's a place in Ephesians 3, I guess you will be studying it on Wednesday, where Paul says that Jesus is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, which means that uh, we would not even think to ask Jesus for the kind of help that he can give us. Jesus is a far greater ally to us now than we realize. He has given us his presence. He is in heaven uh, interceding for us right now. So Jesus gives us the peace of his presence. Uh, but third and finally, Jesus gives us the peace of his reign. Uh, in John chapter 16, verse 33, uh, this is during the Lord's Supper. Uh, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will face many trials, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Uh, similarly, in Colossians 1, 19 through 20, Paul says that Jesus has made peace by the blood of his cross and that he is now redeeming uh, or reconciling everything on heaven and on earth. When Jesus says, peace be with you, he means it. He has overcome the world. He is reigning over all of human history. He is in control over what happens in Washington, D.C. Uh, he is in control over what happens in Russia or in China or in Charleston, West Virginia. And he is control over the events of your life as well. Friends, this is the gospel. Jesus has given us the peace of salvation, the peace of his presence, and the peace of his reign. And that means that no matter what situation that you face in life, uh, no matter what you read in the news, uh, no matter what kind of hardship that you face, uh, peace, ultimate peace, is available to you right now in this very moment. You see, the gospel gives to Christians a kind of quiet confidence, uh, a confidence in God's wise and good uh, control over their life and in the world. That's really what it means to have peace, to, to trust uh, in God's ability, his wise control over your life. 
this is what Christians are called to. Christians are called to be people of peace, which means that uh, Christians are we're people who don't freak out. Uh, Christians are people who uh, don't panic when the rest of the world is panicking. Uh, Christians are people who remain calm uh, while other people are anxious. Why? Because we believe that Jesus has accomplished everything we need to have peace in this life and in the next. He has given us the peace of salvation, the peace of his presence, and the peace of his reign. Now, this leads us to uh, our second point, which is the peace that Jesus sends us out with. Um, let's read again verse 21, where Jesus reiterates this phrase, peace be with you. He says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. This is one of the most classic texts in the Bible when it comes to mission and evangelism. Uh, in fact, Leslie Newbigin, who was a British theologian, he once said that the entire calling of the church is summarized in this phrase, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Uh, but I want to stress to you that it is important to see that before Jesus sends out the disciples, he first gives them peace. It's peace, then mission, not mission, then peace. And this is important for us to, to realize because it's really easy to trick ourselves into thinking that if we could just accomplish X, Y, and Z, then we'll have peace. But actually, the biblical pattern is just the opposite. Uh, the biblical pattern tells us that we must first receive the peace of Christ before we are sent. In other words, uh, we must possess peace ourselves before we go out in the world and try to offer peace to others. Uh, now, at the same time, the text is telling us that those who follow Christ are called to a life of mission. Uh, we are sent out by Christ. As the Father has sent Jesus, so Jesus now sends us. Uh, now, it's worth mentioning that Jesus spoke these words to the disciples, and there is a sense in which uh, the call on their life is different than ours because they, uh, you know, they're the first eyewitnesses to uh, not only Jesus' resurrection, but his, his whole life and ministry. Uh, they're eyewitnesses to the ascension, and so there is a sense that they have a different call than we do, and uh, this is why they're uh, we call them the apostles, right? They're, they're sort of the foundation uh, that the church is built on. But if you look down, uh, if you still have your Bible open into verse uh, 29, Jesus says, Have you believed because you have seen me? But blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Uh, in other words, he is anticipating those who will come to faith after the apostles' time. And so uh, Jesus shows us that the church is meant to continue the work of bearing witness to Jesus. As the Father sends him, so he sends us. It's not exactly like he sends the apostles, but at the same time, uh, it, it, there's a lot of similarities as well. But what exactly does it mean to be sent by Jesus the way the Father has sent him? Uh, well, really, it, it means that we represent Jesus in the world the same way 
that Jesus represented the Father while he was in the world. Because when Jesus was in the world, he told people about the Father's love. He revealed the Father's will uh, to them. He revealed the Father's plan of redemption. He represented the Father in heaven while he was on earth. And at the same time, we are now called to represent Jesus uh, in the same kind of way. We are his ambassadors, the Bible says. We are called to be his representatives on earth, bearing witness to the lordship and the redemption of Jesus. Now, of course, the question is, how do we do that? Uh, or, or maybe a better question would be, how do we do that well? How do we share our faith well as individuals? Uh, and how, how can you, as a church, uh, do that well as a, as a whole community? Well, I think the first thing that is important here is, is to recognize the calling, uh, to recognize that this is part of the Christian life. We are called to bear witness to Christ in the world. It's something that if you are a Christian, uh, it's, it's part of the fabric of who you are, uh, to bear witness to Christ. And, and just to stress the importance of this, uh, a theologian once said, he said, you know, Muhammad uh, left behind a book of teaching. And he said, Buddha left behind a way of life. He said, the Stoics left behind a philosophy. He says, but Jesus is different because the thing that Jesus left behind was a people. He left behind the church. And uh, he gives the church his Holy Spirit. And, and so you realize that, you know, Jesus didn't write anything in the New Testament. What he did instead is he, he commissioned his followers to go out into the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is Jesus' plan uh, for salvation in the world. He commissions a people to bear witness to his name, to go out in the world and share the good news of the gospel together. So that's the first thing we need is to recognize that it is our calling. Uh, but the second thing we need to, to recognize is that we go in peace. Again, that we are sent out with peace. Now, uh, we have already seen that Jesus uh, came to bring us peace and that as Christians we are called to be people of peace. But there's also this sense biblically that uh, the church is meant to embody peace for the world to see. Uh, you can think of uh, Jesus' words about the church being a city on the hill. Uh, you know, what, he, what he's getting at is the church is meant to be uh, attractive to people, uh, like a, a, a well-lit city would be attractive to travelers in the desert. So the church is meant to attract people. Uh, in other words, when the world looks in at the life of the church, they are meant to be attracted by the quality of our life together, uh, the peace that we have, the fellowship that we have, uh, the good deeds that we do. Um, we are meant to embody peace for the world to see. Now, my guess is that when most of us think about uh, sharing our faith, being missional, peace isn't uh, probably the first thing that comes to mind. Most likely, uh, 
we maybe get a little nervous thinking about it. Um, maybe we get a little anxious or, or even just it makes us feel awkward to think about uh, sharing our faith with other people. Uh, but peace is an essential part of Christian mission. If you don't have peace, uh, you will not be an effective witness for Christ. Uh, just think about it. Only people who have peace are able to sit with someone who doesn't agree with them uh, without getting angry and, and frustrated at them. Only people who have found peace in Christ themselves will be able to confidently speak about that peace to other people. Only people who have peace are able to give away their time and their money uh, in order to serve those who are suffering. Just think of, uh, you know, all the Christians throughout history who have risked their lives for others. Uh, during the Black Plague, for example, you had Christians staying behind in cities to care for the sick, even though they knew uh, it, it meant that they would be likely going to their death, too. Um, during the Holocaust, many Christians uh, helped rescue Jews from Nazi persecution, putting their own lives at risk. Uh, during the abolitionist movement, for example, in England first and then in America, uh, it was Christians who were the most vocal uh, and supportive for abolishing slavery, often risking their own lives uh, to help freed slaves. And why were they able to do this? Uh, because it's because they had peace, ultimate peace. Jesus gives us peace before he sends us out. Uh, and it's been my experience that oftentimes just being a calm presence in the room is really an effective witness. It opens people up uh, to you because peace really is attractive. Um, now, I, I just want to speak a, a little bit more personally for a moment. Uh, as someone who was born and raised in West Virginia, in this region, I grew up about 40 minutes from here. Uh, and because of that, I think I can say that in my experience, I, I think a lot of people in this region really lack peace in their lives. Uh, and I, I remember working, I used to work as a merchandiser for Coca-Cola. And what that meant was I, I was driving all over the region from Huntington to Charleston and beyond. And uh, I was stocking shelves at Walmart, so I would go into of the Walmart or the Kroger, and I would be putting out, you know, the good stuff, not Pepsi, but Coke. And, um, and, and along the way, you know, you go into these environments, and if none of y'all work at Walmart or Kroger or a place like that, or if you haven't, I can just tell you that it has its own little culture, you know, the, the community of people there, the employees, it really is kind of its own little world when you're on the inside. And so you'd go into these places and you just get to know people. You see them regularly, lots of different people. And, um, you know, I, I think often, I don't know if it was just because I was more of a relational person. I, I, I just felt like a lot of times people would open up to me about their life. And so often, these people just were just riddled with anxiety and depression. I remember one person in particular who just, it just seemed like everything in her life was just a struggle for her. And, um, 
And so I, I say all that uh, because I just saw that kind of lack of, of peace that people have, the lack of, you know, some people were hardened or just felt discontent with life, uh, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. And when I think back to that time and I think about those people, my heart goes out to them. And, and I really just wanted to stress that to you this morning because I truly believe that this area really, really needs the gospel. They need uh, people who embody peace, um, people who are able to offer peace to others. And so this is a high calling to be uh, a Christian in this region and to be able to have peace. And so I'm just offering that as, as food for thought that maybe that may be the most powerful witness to the gospel that you can give to people in this area is as you interact with your neighbors and your coworkers and your, your extended family members is just to be a peaceful person. Uh, you know, someone who has learned to be content uh, because of what Jesus has done for you, someone who truly believes that because of Jesus, everything is in the end going to be okay. Don't underestimate the power of peace, especially uh, because we live in such an age of discontent. You know, the internet is always trying to tell us that we need to buy more things or have more experiences. The news is always trying to tell us that the world is falling apart. But Jesus tells us, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. He says in John 14, 27, I love this verse. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Christians are called to represent Christ in the world as the Father sent him. So he sends us, but we go out with peace. Uh, we carry a message of peace. Uh, we carry a message of salvation, of Jesus' presence and his reign. Um, and so, lastly, we need, to, we need to ask, how do we receive this peace? How do we activate this peace in our life? How can we lay hold of the peace that Jesus gives to us? Uh, well, to answer that, we need to look at the peace that Jesus guarantees Notice that it says in verse 20 uh, that after Jesus came into the disciples, one of the first things that he did is he shows them his scars. Uh, he shows them his hands. He shows them his side. And similarly, in the next section, uh, when Thomas comes in, he does the same exact thing for him. Uh, in other words, Jesus authenticates himself to the disciples this is really him. These are his wounds. Um, but don't you know that uh, those wounds were necessary? Those wounds were necessary for Jesus to endure. It's only because of those wounds that Jesus is able to say, peace be with you. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus has a body right now in heaven. That's, what, that's the picture the Bible gives us is that Jesus ascends in his resurrected body. And uh, people, you know, often like to talk about um, 
how in heaven, you know, we're going to have perfect bodies. We're not going to be as fat. Uh, you know, we're going to be able to run faster maybe. that People like to, to joke about that. Um, but have you considered that Jesus' body is not without blemish? At least not, not in the way that we think. Because Jesus' body has scars on it. Jesus' body has wounds. Somehow, God has seen it fit to leave these wounds on Jesus' resurrected body as a testimony to what he has done. You know, this phrase, as the Father has sent me, so I send you, it really is significant. But it is also the last of several of these as the Father statements throughout John. Um, in John 5, 21, for example, it says, As the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son gives life. In John 10, 14 through 15, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And in John 15, 9, he says, As the Father loves me, so I love you. And then he says, abide in my love. Yes, Jesus sends us to represent him in the, world, in the world, but he sends us with peace, and we can believe in that peace because of the wounds that Jesus has. He has done everything that we need to have peace. He is our sacrifice. He has done everything that we need to have the peace of salvation and the peace of his presence, and the peace of his reign. Now, I asked you to consider at the beginning of the sermon uh, the question, do you have peace? Do you have peace? Is peace something that you experience regularly in your life? But don't you see, the only way that you and I will truly find peace, how we will grow in peace, is if we see more of Jesus. That is one of the things that I love about this passage. Not only does Jesus come to find the disciples, not only does Jesus come and stand amongst them, but he helps them see more of him. And it is only after they see more of him that they have the peace that equips them to go out into the world. Uh, if you want more peace in your life, all you have to do is to receive Jesus. That's what John says in John uh, chapter 1, verse 12. He says, all who receive him, who believe in his name, he is given the right to be called children of God. All you need to receive peace, all you need to do is to receive Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the peace that you offer us in the gospel. We're so thankful for your sending us, sending Jesus to us. Uh, Lord, we thank you for um, the sacrifice of your son that you offered him. And Jesus, we thank you for willingly going to the cross to achieve uh, the peace of salvation for us. We thank you for the peace of your abiding presence. And Lord, we thank you for 
your reign, that we can trust that everything is in your hands. Lord, I pray for us now as we go from here that you would uh, help us to live out uh, of this peace, that peace would be so real to us, uh, that it would change our lives, that it would uh, be attractive to the people around us, that it would bear witness to the gospel in our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.